Christopher Haluski. And I'm Jason Alejandro. And this is Dissection, brought to you by JK Design. Hinterland is a New York-based multidisciplinary design studio that creates branding for print, digital, and physical environments, as well as publication design for books and magazines. In this episode, we speak with Scott Bushkel about the SVA 2016 Senior Library book. So we got to sit down with Scott and talk about the Senior Library book, which is a massive uh, book compiling work from all of the students from the senior class of 2016 at the School of Visual Arts in New York City. If you think of like the biggest book you've ever held and then imagine that book. So like think of something basically telephone book size, um, a little narrower, but just as thick, if not thicker, hardcover, and then make it like fluorescent, like red orange. That's this book. Yes, it is It is imposing and fascinating just as an object without even opening it. Just seeing it from across the room, you're like, oh, I have to go pick that up. I have to see what that is. That's literally what happens if you have it on your desk. Anybody walking by is like, what's that? Can I see? Can I check that out? You can't not pick it up just because of the size and the color and um, you know everything about the design of it. And I think that that's... Um, such a great quality for a book like this. I mean, for any book, right? You, at the end of the day, you want people to pick it up. Sure. If it's on a shelf, if it's on a table somewhere, if it's in a store, wherever it is, you want something eye-catching that's going to make someone grab it and be like, what is this? I want to know more. Um, I think that Scott and team killed it with this book. I have a few other SVA senior library books, and each one of them is unique in their own way. They're all beautifully designed, carefully crafted, meticulously produced. Um, but this is cool to see. It's just fun. I mean, the four edge printing that matches the fluorescent, um, and just the, the way that the the dust jacket unfolds into a poster basically, which is kind of like the navigation for the book. Like it kind of, um, unveils the, the concept behind how they tied all the work together. Uh, it's just really a fascinating project and I'm glad we got the chance to talk with them with Scott about it. You know, in editing the episode and going back and listening to it, one of the things that really I was reminded of what's fascinating about this project is how Scott and his team approached the the navigation of this book in a non-linear way, which is not something you see in book design ever really, you know, or very rarely. Um, and so you're not really intended to just start at page one and work your way through. It's almost like you're in, you're expected to open it somewhere in the middle of the book and then jump back 50 pages and then go forward 200 pages. And, um, you know, it's a very interesting concept and exploration in how to navigate a book, um, which I think is in some ways influenced how we work with websites and how digital media has affected us in the way that we jump around and kind of have very short attention spans. And so it's, it's a really cool object and really um, new way of approaching how physical media can behave. I think that's a good point. You know, <clears throat> as designers, so often we get kind of um, bogged down in a way by trying to simplify things Um, by the idea of, you know, even storytelling, right? That a story needs to be something linear and that everything needs to have a a, a message, a point A and a point B, you know, beginning and an end. And that's what's so nice about 
this project is the kind of tension that's at play with the fact that you you can certainly go through it page by page, but it's way more interesting when you start to make connections between the work and you start to uncover how those connections were uh, decided upon, you know, by by the, the team at Hinterland. Um, so it's a great exercise in design and, you know, making something certainly have an aesthetic and look a certain way, but also in um, doing much more than that, right? And I think that that is really cool because designers do so much more than just make things look a certain way. We, uh, we kind of want to get to, um, uh, the tension that's at play. And, and there's, there's some of that, I think with this project, but like in a really good, interesting way that makes you like read into it more instead of being like, Oh, I can't, I can't figure this thing out. You know, you kind of want to figure it out. And I, I would say also definitely go to our website and check out the images on this um, episode because Scott provided some really great like behind the scenes images of when they were producing the book with kind of how they kept things organized whether that was with Excel spreadsheets or sticky notes and all these different things um, so it's really cool to see those kind of behind the scenes shots I remember when Scott was kind of describing the process for how they were editing the book and selecting the work and everything I think he might have showed us a picture maybe it's in some of the ones he sent I hope it is but it's just like the studio wall that's like covered with pages of work but it's like which you if you imagine it right now it's it's way more impressive than you think it is like it was it was a pretty cool shot so yeah all right enjoy the interview my name is Scott Bushkel. I'm a designer and educator based here in New York. I'm the founder and creative director of Hinterland, a multidisciplinary design studio. We specialize in branding, identity for print, digital, and physical space, and publication design for books and magazines. Cool. We're so excited to have you on the show and talk about this project for the uh, SVA Senior Library. Um, I mean, long story short, how did you get involved with this project? Where did it kind of start? Well, I have been teaching at the School of Visual Arts for about nine years, and I teach second year design, third year typography, and fourth year portfolio class. Um, Each year, Richard Wilde, who is the chair of the design and advertising department at the school, selects a fourth year uh, portfolio instructor to art direct, design, and edit a huge body of work that's the collection of everything from the graduates from that year. Um, So I've seen the senior portfolios for years and years, and luckily enough, one day the phone rings, and it's Richard, and um, he asks if I wanted to do it. And the answer was yes, completely. Yes, let's do this. But at the same time, uh, I was completely worried because it's kind of a daunting task, the scale of it. And then the thing that really scared me or just um, caused a little bit of worry was that there is no brief. The official brief is no brief. And the only thing you have to worry about is the size as a specific dimension, length, width, and depth. And that's it. Um, So that conversation happened in the fall. In the spring, after the students graduate and they turn in all the work, we stopped by SVA and picked up a four terabyte hard drive and the work got started. You mentioned that there is no brief. It just has to fit within this specified format, right? In terms of, as somebody who has been interested in this particular project, the SVA Senior Library and earlier versions of it, seeing all the cool effects and production things that are done, like, can you propose anything? You can. 
Um, you work very closely with the Visual Arts Press, which runs the production on the book, and they have a really, really great team there. So initially you come to Richard with some ideas. You say, you know, maybe you have one, but we had two directions. We presented him two directions, and within those two directions there were also kind of two big ideas for production. So we landed on one concept that he, he was excited about, and we presented that to the team at the Visual Arts Press, and then they started to basically request quotes and f- see what was realistic. So is that know? like, is that Gail Anderson? That was Gail Anderson's or? team, okay. uh, specifically Jen Liang, cool. took care of, I mean, she was a superstar and took care of absolutely everything, followed it from beginning stages all the way through to the end. So it would be um, Gail Anderson, Jen Liang, and Brian Smith were pretty heavily involved. So one thing I'm immediately curious about from a business perspective, you run your own studio, you're a teacher, and you take on this massive tome of a project. How do you factor such an enormous project in while you're trying to run a studio and be a teacher too? <laughs> the answer is it almost killed me. Yeah. <laughs> so, juggling this project with client work uh, became a, a rather difficult task. We were excited to do it. Um, you could say it was a. It became a passion project. It was um, a project built on love and maybe a dash of hate as we got farther through it. Um, but we, you know, we had a small team working on it there with us. You know, it was, there was three designers all together, and the we found a way to make it happen, but we put in a lot, a lot of hours. And when, you, and when you say there, you mean students from SVA? Were no, not students. Uh, no students involved uh, from SVA, except one of my designers at the time was from SVA. So it was myself, um, one designer, uh, and then one art director. So the three of us kind of handled it start to finish. Uh, I'm wondering if we can talk a little bit about the organizational aspect of the book. Um, Right, so that's that's one area where you get a lot of creative freedom. You can kind of choose to lay this book out however you want. Um, but you had a specific kind of uh, structure for that. What was the process like coming up with that idea? Did you propose multiple solutions or, or concepts um, to the people at SVA? Um, like, like, what was that kind of, what was that process like for you? So I think there's, if we kind of take a step back, there were actually two two books that were really important to the kind of concepting of this project overall. So the first one was Cubism and Abstract Art, the kind of groundbreaking Museum of Modern Art exhibition that covered a wide variety of disciplines and kind of um, movements, specifically the cover. And if you're not familiar with the cover, um, look for it online. And it's lots of arrows, lots of text, just connecting kind of point A to point B. So that was a huge jump off point for us. It was just this idea of like we have, there's five different disciplines at SVA that you can graduate with, as well as hundreds of students creating work. How do we find this connection point between all of them? And then the faculty as well, which is so, so important. Um, And then the other book, which became, this was the inspiration for the entire thing, was Choose Your Own Adventure book series from the 1980s. I grew up on these books. Um, They're fun. They're, you know, they're there to excite you, they're there to entertain you, but at the end of the day, they're also there because they teach kids how to read. And with students, I feel like there's there's this same choice and chance when you get to SVA. You have to make these choices of, I'm now going to go into design, and then I'm going to pick my instructor, and then next year I'll pick more instructors, until you finally get to your, your last year there and you pick your design 
portfolio instructor. Um, and all of these decisions are, are really important and they have real consequences. So it's like the same experience of the choose your own adventure books, but just a bit more serious. Well, that's a really uh, interesting you know, uh, source of inspiration for, for a work like this. Um, I think to dig in a little bit more on yeah, that specifically, yeah. talk, a little, talk a little bit about the actual names of the sections. So just to kind of pull off a couple of them, there's construct, formulate, mend, require, seduce, like very, um, not the typical words you would associate with how you would organize a portfolio. So talk a little bit about how you came up with this particular group of uh, organization. So in the beginning, um, when we actually opened up that hard drive, there were about 2,000 submissions on the project, which is a, a lot. And that was, then within that, there might be 20, 30, 40 images per submission. So there, there was a ton of content to sift through. So <clears throat> we started off with assigning them to 16 different sections. And the sections themselves were really inspired by the class of 16. Um, and then a we took the designs and we put it together according to content rather than category of the design. So we started thinking about kind of uh, the personality of the work. And with the personality, that brought us to like the Myers-Briggs test. So we started thinking about these individual projects as having personalities and what we could do with those. And then we took, you know, you go to design school, you learn about design principles, design elements. So we took basic design principles and we started to kind of mix and match the language to see what we could get from there. Um, but in the end, <clears throat> it really became about the work itself. So if we were to take some of the sections, there's a section called demonstrate, there's one called instruct, there's one called motivate. Demonstrate became about any work that fit into an instructional experience. Um, instruct became about any work that fit to education or informing on an idea. And then motivate was anything that kind of provoked a positive response. Now, within those, the work we had had no captions, no descriptions, so we really had to figure out what it was. So that's why we didn't want to just put a graphic design category, a typography category, a you know interactive category. It didn't feel like it made a lot of sense. So that was the overarching idea. I'm assuming there was not a requirement to include every piece of artwork. It was up to you to curate what you selected that went into the book, you and your team. Yes, so that was actually one of the, the roadblocks kind of we, we ran into in the beginning was, we were naive, we wanted to have this democratic approach where we could curate all the work and have at least one project from each student. Unfortunately, a lot of the projects just weren't print ready or even some students didn't turn in the work at the end of the year when they graduated, so the content wasn't there. So what we ended up doing was taking um, the large, you know, files. We first thing we did was we resized them, color corrected them, printed everything out on eight and a half by eleven sheets, and then stuffed two heavy-duty five-inch uh, binders with this stuff. <clears throat> All the students are ordered alphabetically, and that was our starting point. So we had these two big blocks to kind of go through. And then after that, we each took turns flagging work. So separately, I flagged mine with yellow tags and my art director with blue and then the designer with orange. And we came up with kind of a collection of work that we could then print out thumbnails. And we covered one long wall of the studio with, I'm not sure at that point how many we had selected from, but we started to just stare at the wall 
and look for relationships in the work. And then that is what brought us to the 16 categories. We, we let the work actually kind of direct us where we needed to be. And then we took kind of Myers-Briggs plus the design principles, mashed that all up, and that's how we ended up with those. Super, like, I'm so fascinated by yeah. this process. Yeah. It's not just, yes, you're certainly the designers, uh, you're providing the creative direction for this kind of a project, but beyond that, you are sort of like interpretive editors, you know, and like translating the work through your own sensibilities as a way to then create the, you know, the, uh, the sequence of, of how this work is going to be laid out in the book. Um, it actually reminds me a lot. We interviewed Martin Vineski, um, uh, who teaches at... Um, CCA in San Francisco, we talked to him last year, and he has these, like, in his studio, like, he just collects scraps and ephemera and all this stuff and puts it on the wall, but, like, how he decides where to put it is because he's doing the same thing that you just kind of mentioned, which is, like, like picking up on different, like, visual things or conceptual things that... The relationship Yeah, the relationship of, thing, of one thing. So, and it's a really fascinating way for thinking about graphic design in general, but like even more specifically book design, it's just really, really interesting. Had you worked that way in your own practice before? Yes and no. I mean, we definitely, we do tons of research and we collect and we print and we write and we read and then we just put it all up on the wall and we start to see where the connection points are. Um, but sometimes, you know, this project was unique. It had no brief. So we had to kind of discover as we were doing it. It's like we had to make the process up. We had to change and break what we normally do. But with client work, they will come to us with a brief. They'll come to us with a mission statement. They have like, we have these set goals. We're going to drive sales. Like we know what we have to do. And then within that, we'll still do that same discovery process, but we have a framework. There was no framework, so we had to create that framework. So we've talked to a few different people, um, designers who are doing work for artists or other designers. So like we talked to uh, Hillary Greenbaum from the Whitney. Um, we've talked to a couple different designers who did websites for fine artists or books for fine artists. Um, and that's something that always interests me, the relationship between a designer doing work for another designer or another artist. And um, where is the line of where the designer ends and the work they're representing begins? And um, so talk a little bit about that process for yourself and your team of where you, you have to create this book that... Um, displays the work of all these students and yet it's your task to make the book itself beautiful and uh, engaging i love that question uh only because i think before we even started we received the project no brief we decided the most important goal was to spotlight the students work that's it their work is is the key and it needs to be special it needs to sing uh, needs to entice um, it's really about them and it's about their talent and then for some of them they might not have ever been published in a book this will be the first time they're published sure. in a book so it's a very exciting moment for them um, and then kind of there was this great responsibility to SVA as well so there's the institution and there's the students so I think we tried to make sure that priority was students um, Kind of the second in line became the school, and the last part was our studio and our ego. You know, it, like we had to satisfy that as well. But <clears throat> the most important thing was was the students and the work. So if we we kept that in mind with every decision, 
we knew we would have a successful outcome. So I'm wondering if we could talk a little bit about the materials and specifically, you know, the, the book is fluorescent orange, so it's incredibly eye-catching, um, but also the typography. I mean, did you know early on that, you know, the typeface that you used, that you were going to use that? What is the typeface? Um, why the orange? How did that come up? Okay, so the orange, the basic idea was that we wanted to create, think of the book as an object as like this shiny new object because when the graduates come out of school they're like the shiny new object that employers want to kind of hire. Um, we didn't want it to be too shiny but we wanted it to be bright and special so the fluorescent was chosen as it's this you know it's the glowing representation of the school the glowing representation of the work and here here's these this new thing. So the book itself if you pull off the the dust jacket is just a giant fluorescent block with four edge painting. So it's just this thing that I feel like you could turn the lights off and it would actually just glow in a room. So that, that was a starting point. From the very beginning, we wanted this thing to just be bright and glow. And then as far as the typography goes, we wanted something that was utilitarian, but just with a little bit of flavor. And we didn't really have our eyes set on anything. We ended up landing on Akarat by Lenetto, um, completely fell in love with it. We mixed a little bit of the mono in there too for some of the numbers. But we also create, created a customized typeface for the book as well. So as you flip through the book, we created this dynamic kind of thin hairline typeface that would expand and contract depending on the pages that it was on. And so if there's a page that has three characters, it kind of fills out edge to edge. And if it, you know, that word has 10 characters, it fills out edge to edge, but they take up different space. Which on your website, on the case study for this, there's an example of that where the SVA 2016 kind of is getting smaller and smaller as the numbers come in. And it's just really cool to see it in motion. Um, so that actually begs the question, was there a website that went along with this project? There was not, but one of the one approach to this is from a navigation stand or a structural standpoint as well as a design standpoint was a book is a, a static object. It just sits there. The, the reader interacts with it. So we wanted to try and find a way that we can make it feel like it was moving. So that typography, as you flip through the pages, kind of the pacing as well, it, it moves. So that was a big intention. That's, that's really awesome. I love that idea of somehow bringing motion and movement into a static object. It's really cool. Uh, another, another big one for us was that the, the navigation of the book became really important. Everything we do now today is on screen. I mean, sure. I, I love books personally, I'm, and I'm sure you guys too. But at the same time, our, our interactions are on screen 24-7. So we, we really wanted to think about how you interact with something digitally, but then bring it to like an analog experience. So the book itself has three specific ways to navigate the content. That's about choice, but that's also about just this like digital aspect that we wanted to bring in. So you can either see the entire book's content from the cover when you open up the the dust jacket from page one all the way to page 752 i think um, and it's every single project is on the cover and then you flip that over and on the other side is um, an index with an alphabetical list of every student that's featured as well and their page their corresponding majors and then their portfolio instructors and how they all connect and then once you're inside the book, you can open up the book wherever you want to be. There's kind of no beginning, middle, or end to this, to the book, as well as there's no beginning, middle, or end to your experience as a student. It's, there's no, you know, your student 
design thinking career in general, like it's things change and move and it's constantly changing. So we wanted to have that happen. So you flip a book open and inside the gutters are funny little captions that will then direct you to another project from that same student within the book. So you might go from page 345 back to page 190 and maybe close it out at like 620 for that one student. So And then that, that comes full circle to that idea of the choose your own adventure, basically taking that structure and building on it, making it bigger. So the uh, the case is also stamped. There's the, there are these lines across the the case. Uh, I'm assuming that has something to do with maybe the index that you just described. But is that where that came from? Or? Yeah. So the the case itself has a, a blind emboss and a texture. The texture is there just because it feels really good in the hand. So that's the paper that we wanted. And then that blind emboss of that um, pattern is a direct reflection of the index, the visual index. So talk a little bit about the challenges of this project. I mean, you've already gone to that a little bit, um, but just kind of maybe a little bit more, what were, maybe what was the single largest challenge of this project? So the first one was definitely this, the students supplying work that just wasn't ready. And that, that was, that was difficult. Another challenge um, came when we actually started to edit the book. And this was a, a big one because, you know, if we're locked in at, 352 projects, which relates to the cover, which relates to the poster on the back and the, the captioning in the gutters. If we lose one, we have to cut one because maybe it was controversial or the it's just not printing well because there, we ran tests and that would then shift all of the content. So in the very, yeah, in the very beginning, you know, we realized we need some, some nice org charts um, and some pretty detailed Excel sheets to just keep a track of everything. So we were, and then when it came to proofing the content too, that's where we would be editing everything and then just dump it back into the book. So I think that was a really, really huge challenge. And then production-wise, we ran into some issues too because, Jason, as you'd mentioned, the there's the pattern on on the the hard case itself. There's the the poster folds in a kind of not overly complicated way, but we had to run a lot of tests on that. So we ran tests on the fluorescence to make sure like the four edge printing would work and the the embossing. I think in the end we might have had a, I think we had eight book dummies just floating around the office. So everyone kind of took one home and it became like a super big two inch journal if you wanted to have it of yeah. just blank paper. It felt wasteful, unfortunately, but it, to get it right, that's that's how many we ran through. On the flip side of that, is there any one specific part of this project that you are happiest with? What do you think is the most successful like piece of it? That's a tough one. And I think because the approach was holistic, I feel like the whole thing feels great. Like I feel like we were all satisfied. There was a lot of suffering through the process because there's many, many hours. And, and but once you get past that, and the end results, you know, the the team at SVA took care of the production and and you know shepherded this thing through. The printer delivered on it, and you know I f we feel really happy about the design overall. It's like those three three things came together, and there's. N it all works, you know. Yeah. Like I could say, one day I'm excited about the typography, especially yeah. the custom typeface. Another day I'm just really happy about how the motion work looks yeah. in print because yeah. motion really kind of dies in print, yeah, obviously. Sure. Um, and there's there's just a lot of things that we're really overall happy with it. Cool. 
So what was the timeline like? I know you said that you got the brief, or you got basically the assignment in the fall. You couldn't start anything really until you got the actual student work in the spring when the students graduated. From when you got the student work, what was the timeline like until book was printed, done, sent out? And I'm going to piggyback onto that with, did you track hours? And if so, how long do you think it took? Uh, So I'll start with that part. We didn't. We we track hours on on all of our work. We didn't track hours on this one. It's almost <laughs> like it, it, well, we didn't. I didn't want to know personally. <laughs> I, I knew that there were it was lots of late nights. You know, myself included, weekends here and there. We put in we put in the hours, but it, that's where it became kind of a passion project yeah. as well. Um, but the overall timeline, we students graduate in May. They turn in their files. We received everything the beginning of June. We needed to turn concepts around, uh, I think for July. Um, summer happens, things happen. I think we didn't get an idea in place until early August. And then we needed to close the project out around October, November to get it to print because of it's printing in China, Chinese New Year. We had to have everything fully proofed and then ready to go prior to the Chinese New Year. We ran into some delays, but we still, you know, we still made that deadline and got it printed prior to the new year. So it was, um, it was long. It was a long, long haul. Going through the book, there's some really fantastic work by the students. Um, as you guys were working on it and laying it out um, and uh, curating what work would get in and what wouldn't, um, did the seeing the students work did that kind of energize you and like make you excited to keep going and working on it because like for me just looking through it it makes me like excited like what am I going to work on today like I want to do something as good as what these kids are doing because they're doing stuff that's amazing um so did you have a similar experience with your team where the, the content itself spurred you on to keep going even though maybe it got long and frustrating and difficult oh without a doubt I mean that it's it's amazing the the caliber of work and it's not just because we made these selections but it's just the talent that comes out of the school of visual arts is is pretty fantastic and we would i have been teaching there i have had a bunch of students some of my old students are in the book but there were just other students i've never come across at all and they blew me away and their names are now like etched in my brain and i just you know i I'm like, oh, I wonder what they're doing now. You know, it's been about two years since they graduated. I'm like, I need to go back and, and check in on them. But no, it was definitely inspirational. Even even now, when I flip through it, I'm still kind of floored by the quality. You know, we we have, I think I might have mentioned it, but we have a normal process on um, how we deal with client work, um, with our kind of research and discovery. And we use kind of a slightly modified version of the five W's of journalism. Um, so, and it works rather well. So it's kind of the who is the, who is it for? Who is the audience? The what is, you know, what are you creating? Is it print? Is it digital? Is it a, a physical space, et cetera? Um, the where is like, where will this audience experience the design? The when is, when does the project have to complete? Which is yeah. kind of, that's really, really important. <laughs> and the super easy thing to figure out yeah. up front. Uh, the why is like, why are you actually doing this? From the client side, like, is it a change in your service offering? Are you changing a product? Do you want to drive sales? Yeah. What's the overall reason for this new thing? Um, and then the last one, which is not a five, it's not part of the five, but is the how. And it's like, how do you expect to accomplish these goals? 
from a client side? And you know, do you have a mission statement or do you have guiding principles? What can you give us before we get started? And that's all well and good, but we had to throw that out the window with SBA because again, there was no brief, so we had none of that. So, but did you answer those questions for yourself, basically, to create your own brief? We we did, we did, and it, it really boiled down to what is it like to be a student in design? I'm far out of school at this point, but I'm still in the classroom, so I would interview some of my older students, some of my current students, so it was like some students that just graduated and some students are about to graduate to get an idea again about what their experience is like. And then um, after that, we, we talked about it again internally. It was just like, what is the student's experience? And from that, we kind of brought that into the book. And I think that led directly to the choose your own adventure. It's just like, there's lots of choice and lots of chance. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. Really solid advice. Yeah. Like we need to ask that about all of our client projects. <laughs> I mean, normally the, the questions are a lot longer and there's more of them, but I feel like if you can nail those five ahead of time, it can simplify things before oh, yeah. we dive too deep. You yeah. know, it's like just scrape the surface on those and then that's enough. Yeah. Uh, so you mentioned working with some of the people at SVA already, but who else kind of contributed to this project and, and worked on it? So there were four, I'd say four people that were played a key role in making this thing real. So it was myself. Um, but my art director, Regina Puno, was, you know, amazing. Uh, designer, Jen Marchese, and then uh, writer, Kurt Kepfel. So the four of us together were kind of the, the team that made this thing a reality. Do they sell this book? They don't. Um, so basically, uh, oh, so what they do is they have recruitment, you know, kind of facilities around the States and all over the world. I mean, they one in, like, they have South Korea, one in New Delhi, Tokyo, um, but they also give them out to ex, you know, old faculty. They use it as a recruitment tool for new professors every year. They give it to all the students that graduate. I mean, they have to come back and get it because basically shipping would be a fortune. Shipping would be a fortune, and it's like it doesn't come out until the year after yeah. they graduate because of all the content had to be gathered. Um, but they they use it as a, a recruitment tool, um, and they send them to agencies everywhere in design firms and so going to this project what kind of research did you do and um, was there any sort of looking back to the previous editions of this book that you drew from yes there were about there were 12 of them prior to the one we created we created 13 lucky 13 um, and I'd say inspiration was you know Karen Goldberg Paul Sare, Mike Lee and Kay Paula Cher Chris Ostopchuk Richard Poulin, James Victoria, uh, Luis Feely, hopefully I won't, Gail Anderson, Joe Marianic, Julia Hoffman, Peter Alberg, and Nick Taylor. So there were a bunch to look at, and you know they they created one each. You know they've created one each year, and and they set the bar pretty high. So for us, it was something that we it's wanted like to aspire to. a scary roster to follow. <laughs> like, it was rather intense, <laughs> you know, not going to lie. Um, it's like standing on the shoulders. <laughs> so. Now, did you have any of those as your teachers while you were at this? I did. I was lucky enough to have Karen Goldberg, Mike Lee and Kay, and Chris Ostopchuk while I was there. And they, I mean, they were my design foundation and, you know, helped me get my job, my first jobs. And it was, it's, it's come full circle because yeah. now I'm back there designed the senior library, and then now I have a batch of students that I help every year yeah. kind of get jobs or just 
kind of mentor yeah. on and on. So. Um, so Scott, can you tell our listeners where they can find out more about this particular project and your work as well? Sure, you can come and check out some selected projects at hinterlandstudio.com or you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, all at hinterlandny. Awesome, thank you so much. Thanks guys. To see a slideshow with images related to the project for this episode, please go to dissection.jkdesign.com. And while you're there, you can also learn more about us and listen to past episodes. Also, don't forget to go to iTunes, where you can subscribe and leave us a positive review if you like the show, which we hope you did. And you can also listen on SoundCloud, and you can leave comments on this particular episode there. Dissection has been brought to you by JK Design, a branding, advertising, and design agency with offices in New York and New Jersey. To learn more, check us out at jkdesign.com.